gentlemen, welcome to Mike and Dave Hit the Stage. I am Dave. Hello, I'm Mike. And we have a special guest. <laughs> For the first time, we have Mike, the angry wizard, sitting here looking at me very awkwardly. And getting bright red like he's like... <laughs> Like people, right, people are gonna judge me. you. Yes. Well, they are gonna judge you because yes. you judge them. <laughs> exactly. I judge everybody. Yeah. So today's the beginning of Black History Month, and we figured since we are three of the least qualified people to talk about African American history, African African American music, or the culture of African American music, we're doing Black History Month our way. So we're going to start this off with a, I believe this is a, this is a noogie, a noogie choice. Oh yeah, by the way, yeah, because there's two mics here today, I am, you don't have to call me noogie, you well, can call me noogs, you can call me whatever you want. Technically, there are five mics, three microphones, and you two idiots. Oh, you're a dick. <laughs> oh, that hurt. <laughs> um, oh shit, what happened? I got sidetracked there, because <laughs> you called me noogie. All right. Uh, so what's the first what's the first song? Your first track is Dawn Penn with You Don't Love Me. Oh yeah. Is Oh No No? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is <laughs> <laughs> This is the classic. Like I I the only real note I have about this. This sounds like the summer of 1994. It came out in 19 Actually, it hit in 1994. It was actually I'm not sure if this one was recorded in 1967. Yes. But uh it was originally recorded in 1997. Uh, I'm sorry, 1967, and uh, it became popular in '94, which is when I graduated high school. Yes, and uh, started going out to. Well, back then, you know, they didn't check IDs, so I went to clubs and stuff like that. And uh, you know, being a punk guy or a heavy metal guy, to meet girls in New York City, it was very hard to meet girls that listened to what we listened to. Oh yeah, right. So I had to go to the clubs, and uh, this is uh, this was a pick that that it helped being into ska and all that stuff because this is where it came from. Yes, this actually looking this uh, looking up on uh, looking this up is not considered reggae. How isn't it? It's ball? it's yeah, it's it's actually considered um, uh, rock steady. Okay. It was a, yeah. It's which is another branch. It was in off between, of reggae. They said it was in between original ska, which was from Jamaica, and and reggae. It was, it was like it's like more um more uh, almost more soulful. Yes, very. This song is ultra soulful. Yeah, but it, not knowing that this was originally recorded in '67, my my main notes are that this is the because I don't know shit about reggae yeah. really. Like I know what what has been played in the past. This is what reggae is supposed to sound like. This is. To me, this is that 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 energy. Yeah, this is this is not from the island. Uh, this is not from America. Yeah, no, definitely not. This feels so so flowing and mm. and so relaxed. Mm. What I notice is that nothing changes in it. I, there's no like there's no like change for the chorus. There's no change for a bridge. But that's also I think with the uh, dance like like I keep call, calling it the dance hall. Yeah, stuff it's close. It's yeah, like it's essentially quote unquote dance music, but. It's always the same thing over and over because, like, this is what, like, I made a point with all the stuff you guys gave me not to try to do research on it. Yeah. This one I had to. Yeah. Uh, and I found the original version and I was like, holy sh. Can we curse? Yes. Okay. Holy shit. This Wait. is great. <laughs> do you remember Yeah, I know. Christmas? But I had to stop and ask myself again anyway. <laughs> Him just going, I have it's a throwback Christmas. to Christmas also. Oh, great. 
But um, anyway, like I went back to the original version and I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah. And then I went back to the one that you guys had sent me and I'm like, eh. And then I found another live version. I think it was done in the later 90s mm. where she's got like an actual band behind her doing it. Uh-huh. And it is fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got to be a eight piece, eight to ten piece yeah, band. Exactly. I, I have the YouTube links on my notes. I'll give it to you later. Yeah. <laughs> Which we will probably include on our website. Hit the stage podcast.com. Oh, snap. He said it for the first time. <laughs> so this this song just it feels like 1994, 1994, 93 to 97 had just every summer had these songs that just they were their own thing. They mm-hmm. were their own energy. And this is only the first one that I picked. I, uh, I could have picked a thousand of these. I know. You know, and that's why this is going to these are going to be recurring themes, especially when we talk about other cultures and. Black culture and 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 reggae and these stuff. This is stuff I want to learn about. Yeah, and ska is a pretty good way to go backwards into it. Yeah, yeah. So the next one is a my choice, and I feel absolutely no guilt for this. What? Good golly, Miss Molly by Little Richard. Oh no! You know, you know what this did to me? It reminded me of being in the back of the car going from my grandmother's house to my house. Uh, my my grandmother was in uh, South Ozone Park. Right, we had to take out the Van Wick. It was hot. My dad's car had no AC, and we were listening to songs from, and this is scary, thirty years ago, which would have been the fifties. Mm-hmm. Right, which is cra- crazy because my kids, right, they'll listen to Nirvana, and that's thirty, 30 years, years ago. ago. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's what. As soon as this came on, I looked up when it when it came out. And I think it was fifty eight. Uh, yes, think. and uh, yeah, and I was like, hold it. That's me listening to songs 30 years ago that my parents grew up listening to. Yeah. My par- my mom loves Little Richard. Yeah. And I only pointed it out recently that this is a gay black man talking about fucking white women in the 50s and nobody cared. <laughs> nobody <laughs> gave a shit. <laughs> well, is that but, what it's about? Yeah. But the reason nobody cared, because again, I did, a, I did a little bit of a deep dive onto it. And it's basically when he was doing all his, like, the pompadour hair and yeah. the makeup and this and that. And he had his band doing the same thing. So back in the 50s with segregation and everything, they could actually get into the clubs mm-hmm. to play. And because he was so flamboyant, he was, uh, he, uh, he was like, non... Um, Non-threatening? Thank you. Non-threatening. Uh-huh. Is yeah. that really what it was? Yeah. Huh. But he was, I mean, it was straight up, it was, it was, he was so outlandish. Yeah. And so flamboyant. And his performances were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, he's also, people forget, he's also playing the piano while singing. Yeah. And hard. He doesn't play light. He's a heavy hitter. And hit, hitting piano keys is rough. It's especially, uh, most of the time, the piano's only lightly mic'd. Back then, it mm-hmm. was just a microphone into the into the okay. cavity. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to think about it. And then you wonder if he ever tried to play it straight. Because you everything we ever saw about Little Richard, he was just being Little Richard. Yeah. Which is a little scary because imagine the voice in his head is also that. <laughs> it's like you're not good. Woo! Wow! Just can you imagine that? I can't imagine you just did that. <laughs> yeah, I got a weird range. Uh, none of it's good. Um, the other thing I always wonder, like, why was he never recognized for being the piano player that he was? Because Stevie Wonder and mm-hmm. and um, Ray Charles are known for being these amazing piano players. Little Richard's as good, if not better. Maybe because it was a rock piano. Uh, yeah, he's rock banging piano, on it. Rock right? piano has a lot to do with it, I would think. And also, um, Ray Charles, not so much. But like Stevie Wonder was later in history when it was more... 
I can't think of the right way to phrase it, to say it, but it was more, people were more into the musicianship on it than they were before. Before it was just the band's up there, the band's playing, the band's never got any recognition. It was just a singer that was up there. Mm, yeah, I guess that's right. It makes sense, but it, it always feels like he never got the rec- the recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, him being very flamboyantly gay and being that far out in the front of everything, he's also not really listed as a gay icon, which no. is weird. Yeah, like, it's not even. It's like, not. Yeah, it's not even. It, it it never comes up. Yeah, and it's not like he was hiding it. His book, which came out in ninety, no, eighty seven, eighty eight, the Quasar Rock and Roll. Mm. He talks about having sexual experiences with men, then and even then, nobody cared. And yeah. it's so weird, like how ostracized people were for coming out in that time. Right. Well, I, actually, I think his father threw him out of the house. Yes. Because of it. And that's where, like, being out on the street, and he was working. Some chicken place. That's where he met. Um, oh man, James Brown. They they met in a chicken like a chicken house, like a, really in the in in the in the fifties. Yeah, and he's like, I'm going to do my thing with my band. He goes, You should do whatever you want, but make sure you do it all the way. And that's you know that's that's yeah that's a little Richard's mantra: do it all the way. Yeah, and. That's why we have James Brown being the singer he he was. Mm. And I always thought that was interesting. And I always thought that was inspiring as a musician just to push other people that way. Yeah. And then we have to go to somebody even more obscure, but just as important, if not more important, to rock and roll heavy metal. And that's Sister, uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp. This was Mike's pick. Yeah. This is a Mike pick. And this... It was there, awesome. This is this is what this is what heavy metal started as. I this don't give what, a no, no. fuck. Hell with heavy metal. This is what everything that we listen to today comes from. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And like, um, like I had done a little read up on her before, and like I got to like just looking at my notes. The first thing I heard, it, I was like, "Well, that's where freaking Creedence Clearwater Revival got it from." Uh, just and Hendrix and Hendrix and Clapton she, and she inspired Little Richard. She inspired Chuck Berry. Elvis was a huge fan of hers. And this is like where all the modern rock and roll starts, yeah. but nobody remembers it. I can I tell you something when because you do something a little different than me and Dave do. We just send each other the the, the songs. Yeah, you sent the videos. Okay, well I was just going through YouTube and no, that but wasn't the no, best. but the greatest thing is like I'm watching this and I'm like, what the hell? And then she gets she grabs a fucking guitar <laughs> and starts rocking out, and I was like, this is fucking awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna correct you there. She doesn't grab a guitar. She grabs a triple humbucker pickup <laughs> SG. Yeah. There is, this is the same kind of guitar that Angus Young played. No, triple pickup is what Nigel from uh, freaking Spinal Tap played. I'm going to stare at you. <laughs> That's all I have to say. I'm going to stare at you. I have complaints. Complaints about this? <laughs> no, oh. no. Rosetta oh. Tharp, she was so interesting and so powerful. Her voice was powerful. Yeah. And her guitar playing was better than most modern guitarists. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at if you look at like what was going on at the time, nobody was playing like that except yeah. the country guys. It was so surprising to see and this. And also it was when you so... watch it, she ain't using a microphone. Nope. Right, right. She is just fucking belting it out. Yeah. And that, that belting makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that power doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Like you watch old videos of of James Brown, you can see he's throwing his voice. Yeah. You look at Little Richard. Little Richard's voice was just all push. And then Sister Rosetta Tharp, she's just, she's traditionally, you can see her when she breathes. You can see this goes in, 
her chest comes up and then the sound comes mm-hmm. out. And that is pure projection. Yeah. It's it's hard to even critique it because there's nothing to complain about. No. Other than the fact that there are only like four or five videos of her and very little recording on the internet. What year was that, by the way? Oh, my God. Was that 40? I, I, I was think I was 40s. Mm-mm, that no. was early 50s, like 52, 53. Okay. Yeah. I guarantee Luigi will have information on that. Yeah. Luigi is like the encyclopedia. You're you're correcting us. I got a, cor- a list of corrections from Luigi. Luigi, I love you. I'm not reading all that on the on, on this <laughs> podcast. It was six and a half pages. It was so good. I, oh. I mean, all of it was correct. Luigi was great, respectful in how he did it, but there was so much. And we have to we're gonna have to pull him in and I'm gonna make him read it. Jesus Christ. Because it's so much. But like I don't even want to get off this off of the subject of Rosetta Tharp because of how many guitarists that she inspired. Uh-huh. Some of them two or three generations down because they may have never heard her. Right. But they heard someone who worshipped her. Right. Like if you listen to Hendrix, Hendrix plays like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um John Fogarty and and Credence, they have that sound. Almost exactly that sound. Almost like they heard it and said, We need to do this. Yeah. The That's Led exactly Zeppelin method. Was. Yeah. Yeah. Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Led Zeppelin sounds like this because they wanted to because everybody wanted to be this. Mm -hmm. They wanted to be somebody on this. I don't know about the next one. I don't know if anybody wanted to be this. What's that? Uh, This is your second pick. uh, Poison by Bel Biv DeVoe. Yeah, man. Now, remember, you you, you wanted to know what the what the Brother Will song was. This is it. Okay. This is you wanted to starty. You you wanted to starty? Starty. You (laughs) You wanted a party to start? You played this. And yeah. I'll tell you, Brother Will danced like uh, it, it. It it brought it brought the house down, and uh, this. It, I just wanted to bring this to the, the to the front because we lost Brother Will in in 2010, and and so many people didn't get to enjoy him. You you've met him, Mike, a handful of times. You know, yeah. and I mean, he was just happy all the time. He never judged anybody. He never. Had a bad time that I can think of, to a point that when he was uh, sick, he wouldn't let us know. He told us that it was a, a a baseball injury, you know, like a softball injury, and then you know, and then he passed by himself. And his memorial in Nyack was, it was everybody who he touched, and it was f- a full house. That's that's what you do for those you love. And to be the party guy, and like you said, once he realized something was wrong and he stopped, mm-hmm. he stopped being the party guy and started just being the guy, right? but was still the party guy. I love that. I love that somebody changed their the thing that normally would define somebody right? and still was the person without having... Well, it was... You know, you know what's amazing is that he he stopped drinking, right? And nobody even questioned it. It was just... He was just like, nah, I, I, I'm going to drink sodas from now on. And everybody was like, okay. Because you know? he didn't make it, he didn't right. make it the big deal. Yeah, yeah, I only drink sodas now, or right, no. I'll take a seltzer and yeah. cranberry. And that was just him, you know. But getting back to the song, uh, it, it's also uh, it, again, it's an early '90s song. Oh yeah, this is back when uh, that I, I guess it was uh, that East Coast Bell Biv DeVoe. Um, Go ahead, name. boys, boys to men. Uh huh. Right, you're it, missing a couple of people. Go ahead. Uh, you're 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 missing where they started from because they're not they didn't just pop on the scene with this. These are founding members Philly. of Philly. Uh, no, these are founding members of another bad creation. 
Yes, a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is Bobby Brown, Johnny Gill, uh, Bell, Biv, and DeVoe. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, that was ABC. That was yeah. the, the, the kids. Yeah. And when they, got, when they got older, they split into Johnny Gill, Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown, his years of issues aside, was a really good writer. Right. Johnny Gill was a great writer. And these guys made probably one of the best dance party songs you could imagine. With the best tagline in a song ever. Big, Never trust, trust a big, big button, button to smile. <laughs> okay, like, I've always th- joked about what the title of my autobiography would be. <laughs> That's it? No. <laughs> we It's uh, Chicken Parm and Fat Ass is a Love Story. <laughs> and on the back, it should say, Never trust a big button to smile. <laughs> now, I'm, dis- I'm <laughs> disappointed Mike author. didn't say it with us. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he, just, he, he saw us going. He's like, I have to watch these two idiots. <laughs> In unison, <laughs> it got stupid in stereo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love this song. This like it's it's one of those songs that, although not really part of Black history, it's part of music history. Why is it not part of Black history? What changed? What what was affected by the song? Hip hop. Hip hop really. This. Oh, was this a, is R and B. This is more no, R and B. But even but even, even even in the hip hop R and B, um, world, this wasn't groundbreaking. It was. Perfect for what it was, it was, perfect for the time, but it wasn't. I don't think it changed the world. Like, um, I feel like I'm being scolded. No, 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 not at all. I'm making. You I picked, am making fun of you. You picked the wrong song, asshole. Then that means my next pick is wrong too. Don't uh, worry, my, my next one's wrong too. So. Actually, I no, no, and I'll, I'll. I have complaints about that too, for different reasons. This the only reason I say it's it doesn't change anything. Is it didn't it wasn't a radical change in either direction. Oh yeah. But it was perfect. And it does need to be recognized as part of this the especially the late eighties, early nineties hip hop and R and B culture mm-hmm. because it was perfect in the middle of everything. It showed exactly what could be done with old school beats and a new school attitude. Yeah. And that for that it's a hundred percent awesome. Um there are no downsides. I this is one of those things. That I guarantee, if I played it downstairs for my parents, yeah, my dad would be bopping along to it. He loves it. <laughs> and I think that's also words to live by for him, because you know what? Oh, the fine. apple don't fall fall far from the tree. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so now the next one, um, the Jimi Hendrix experience with uh, Voodoo Child: A Slight Return. Yeah, this is this is heavy Fucking metal. Hendrix. It's that's it's, all you got to say. It's, it's fucking Hendrix. It's Hendrix, but it's also this. It's a force. Whose, and it's, p- whose pick was this? Yours? Okay. Yeah. Um, I always say I never remember the other members of the experience. Mm. Who I could never. Mitch I could Mitchell not, and oh, here we go. you could make up names. Timmy no. Timmy Armstrong. I don't know. <laughs> hey, no, I know Mitch, Tim Armstrong. I know. <laughs> no. Mitch Mitchell was the drummer. I yeah. remember the bass players. Little name. Johnny Herzberg. Who cares? <laughs> No, that was from the different There is nothing specifically amazing about the rhythm of the song. It's a great song. There's nothing it is his soloing and yeah. his attitude and energy. That's this is the song and the performance that got the name heavy metal out there as a style. Yeah. Because this is what this this is the song from the performance where Rolling Stone said it sounded like heavy metal falling from the sky. Is this yeah? This is the song. Okay. This is the energy that created the music that we grew up and we built on. Well, this, yeah, this reminds me of the pool hall in, in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the, this is the jukebox. And the, I never, I as a as a kid, I didn't hear this version. Okay, 
my dad listened to Stevie Ray Vaughan. Mm. So I heard the Stevie Ray Vaughan version. And honestly, I like the Stevie Ray Vaughan version better, but it's because of what I experienced as a kid. Yeah. Right. It's the same thing for me, like with Hendrix. My mom actually had Are You Experienced on vinyl. Yeah. So then you get like freaking 10 year old me going, oh, what the hell is this? And I pop it on. Mm-hmm. And like Voodoo Child, it's a great song. I'm not knocking it. But if I think Hendrix, I'm thinking Purple Haze. I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like for, for me, freaking Manic Depression. That yeah. song is freaking insane. So, But it's what you grew up on. It's the same thing. It's what you it's what you're exposed to. Is this is this not a pop, like like this? It is. No, it's a popular song. Oh, OK. But it's just my first exposure to Hendrix. Yeah. It's the same thing. Your first exposure to, let's say, Maiden or whoever. That first album you get, even if it's a later album that's not that great, not that's that That's what popular, you base it on. That's what you fell in love with. Yeah. So that's always going to be your go-to. Gotcha. And this is this is the the archetype for so many guitarists. Mm-hmm. Not only their sound, but their style and their their equipment. I know guys. I've I've run into guys recently that I knew for years that their entire setup is a Dallas Arbiter fuzz pedal, a wah pedal, into a Fender amp using a Strat, and that's it. That is the Jimi Hendrix sound. Yeah. And if you really want to get nasty with it, you put two wah pedals together and you link them with a board, and then you get that extra wah out of it. That is Jimi Hendrix's tone through his entire career. Unfortunately, his career was cut short at the age of 27 by overdose. But this lives forever. If the guitar says they don't like Jimi Hendrix, question whether or not they're a guitarist, question or not they're human. Yeah. Because there's something about Jimi Hendrix. I'm not a fan of him as a person. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of his music and his style. This is the guy who inspired guys like Dimebag and and guys like um, everyone else. Clapton loved him. Clapton changed his style to match Hendrix. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. He saw what Hendrix was doing and said, I want to do that. I I think it might have been Clapton, Jimmy Page, and was it Jeff Beck? Jeff Beck, yeah. That saw Hendrix live and they were like, Huh, well, shit, we got it off our game. That's yeah. pretty much what it was. It was It was that, oh, uh, this is the competition. We need to step it up. And when you get the guy from Seattle taking on the, the British blues guys, and all of a sudden they're, they're like, oh, we, we're, we need to work on this. That's, that's impressive. Cool. And, just, and he was only active like, in, in, in the big scene for four or five years. Yeah. Is that it? What? Yeah, like, like seventy it. to seventy four or something like that, or no, it was 68, oh, 68 to seventy. Yeah, sixty eight to seventy three or seventy four. Yeah, seventy three. Because he he played Woodstock yeah. in sixty nine, and he he opened day two. I think I don't remember, but he opened with the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah, and the that's other when you got that iconic yeah. performance. Right. Every guitarist who's ever played the Star Spangled Banner is trying to play it like him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody on a flamenco guitar somewhere. <laughs> Does it differently, but everyone else who tries it. Yeah. I've seen Zach Wilde do the, the national anthem. He's trying to play Jimi Hendrix doing the na- national anthem. Yeah. There's no other way to do it. Right. So, perfect. Iconic. It changed heavy metal. He was inspired by Rosetta Tharp, which pushed everything forward. Yeah. It, these guys just shoved music in the right direction. And then, you know, everyone steals. Yeah. Everyone steals. And now we're going to talk about Mike's... Uh, choice, and I'm going to yell at you. Go for it. This is Barry White and the Love Unlimited Orchestra with Love's theme. I sat through this entire song waiting (laughs) Waiting for for Barry White to sing, (laughs) and not a goddamn word was spoken. I did that on purpose, actually. (laughs) I I love Barry White's voice. I've always liked Barry White's voice. His energy, his, his style, he was 
sweet. Like there was a sweet soulfulness. Even when he was singing aggressively, there was this power and this this energy of like it was a presence. It was a pure presence, mm-hmm. very much like James Brown, where mm-hmm. there's this constant presence and energy that's in all of his music. Even when he was singing somebody else's stuff, it had that energy. And Barry White had this. It's a hug. Yeah, his voice is a hug. I don't I, give a fuck how weird that sounds. I have no. I understand what you're talking about, and I have the same complaint because I did the same thing. <laughs> I was on the Southern State, sitting in traffic, and I'm like, I'm like, it's gotta kick in eventually. And I just kept going, and I'm like, all right, all right long intro. It's a long intro. <laughs> Six minutes. You're like yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's and he. I always forget he was he was able to lead a band like that. A yeah. forty piece orchestra. Yes, an orchestra. Um, in the in the the tradition of guys like Cab Calloway mm-hmm. and um, oh my na- my brain's drawing a blank to some of the big band guys. Count Basie. Count Basie. These guys were huge with big bands and organizing and singing mm-hmm. while conducting. And everyone knew their knew how to do their job, and everyone sounded amazing, and they sounded amazing on top. And Barry White was able to do that. Yeah, I felt bad that I didn't get to hear his voice in this, yes. and I was angry. That's angry, <laughs> angry. I was I was at work in the front office. I what I do is I I throw my notes up on the computer screen. And I have the tablet next to me, listening to music, checking for work in between songs. But I'm typing. I'm like, this motherfucker. <laughs> I was just, I cannot believe he got me with this. It's like a sneeze that just never comes. Yeah. You got to stare at the sun for a second or look at a fluorescent light. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's so, so good. And so well put together. And the other thing is the, the, the background to it is when he, he was doing his solo thing, then he had three backup singers. So it was Barry White and Love Unlimited, which were the three backup singers. Then they put it to the orchestra and he actually came out with one album of all instrumental stuff like this. Yeah. Which is where Barry White like, and Lemon But also where I pulled it in from. Yeah, and the performance, if you watch the video, and the video will be available through the YouTube music stuff, you can always switch over to video. It's available there and the video is phenomenal. He he's he's dancing while while conducting the, his that energy, that hug yeah. that he that exists with Barry White. Uh, is there you can feel his love for the music his energy with the music and everyone involved is not just shown up to to collect a paycheck and play Mm -hmm. and there's that's that means so much in especially in bigger bands you know when somebody could just be like yeah i'm getting paid a hundred dollars to play the play the violin or whatever and the the other part of it like the way i i look at a lot of the songs on this and the songs that i put on the list and everything is i you guys have played in bands with me, so you know yeah. how I attack things. Like, I'll dissect it and look at it musically and all the different whatever. This song actually takes me... How you were talking about with driving with your parents. Mm-hmm. This one takes actually takes me back from when I was young visiting my father. He always had the easy listening stations and all this. And then you got freaking snot-nosed 14, 15-year-old me like, Hey, I got Dream Theater and I'm putting it on and it's freaking him out. Yeah. And we're driving... And like this... I remember, I remember this song in particular came on and I'm like, okay... This is cool. I could see, like, and whenever he would play his easy listening stuff, I'd be like, ah, oh, this is bullshit. Because, mm-hmm. again, snot-nosed 15-year-old, what, however the hell old I was. And I'm like, holy crap, there's a lot going on, all the different layers and everything else. That That's, like, the main reason I threw it on also. Yeah. It feels. It reminds me of that Phil Collins Big Band project. Yes, exactly. But only because this is what led to things like the Phil Collins yeah. Big Band. 
That only happened, what, that was 2004? No, it was 90-something. Was it 90s? Like 97, something, 98, something like that. Fuck, I'm old. Uh, don't get me started. <laughs> I know, you're both older than me. I'm the youngest person in the room. Feels uh, good. All right, take it easy. <laughs> I have, I've had more surgery than both of you combined, and I'm younger. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, one of the first surgeries I had was when I broke my ankle 10 years ago. And so no, you were, oh my God, it's 12, 12, coming up on 13 You were in ago. your late 30s? I was in my, yeah. First surgery before the age of 10. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, dental work. Yeah. Oh, well, I was dental born, work is not surgery. Oh, no, this was surgery. Why would they take you? I was born with tooth buds, what which the are, f- they're like, they're like teeth, but they're, they're very small and they were right in the front. Then my baby teeth came in. And push them forward. And then my adult teeth started to come in, and the other ones couldn't come out, so they were just all getting... I was going to get buck teeth. What the fuck is a tooth bud? It's, it's <laughs> calcium deposit buildup. And now the thing is... It's a thing of nightmares. And, yeah, yeah, really? No, I had a nightmare mouth when I was a baby. So when I was in second grade, they took out all four of my front teeth on the top. The adult ones? The, no, the baby ones. Oh. No, these are all mine. Not that they're very good, but they're all mine. Uh, but they needed to make the space for my adult teeth to come in. So I had to have a surgical procedure to have all those teeth removed. And it was the first time I had anesthesia and the first time I had surgery. And at that time, there are kids dying from overuse of anesthesia during surgeries. So my mom was freaking out. I went through the surgery and it took them like an hour to get me up, like to wake me up. My yeah. mom was freaking out. She's like, oh, is he going to be like this forever? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Because I was just laying there, eyes open, not responding. Oh, my God. So my mom freaked out. You've seen my mom. She has a really fucked up sense of humor. Yes, she does. So it happened. So I went through this weird surgery. That was the first one. The most recent one, a little lower abdomen work. All right. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Why are we talking about this? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. This always happens when we go. At one point, I'm listening to this about tooth buds and all this, and I go, what if, what if what the fuck did we turn? Black history with what oh, happened? the orthodontist who did the surgery happened to be African American. I don't know what to tell you. He was, but that's not even part of this conversation. I think I broke Mike's. Yeah, you broke me. <laughs> All right. So back on topic. Um, the next one is a Mike pick, and this is scenario one. by Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, man. Now and leaders of a new school. I know very little about this. But I know they're hip hop icons, and usually they were clean, weren't they? No, like, I this was completely clean. There was no, not. It's a, not. Did I miss something? Buster Rhymes says "motherfucker" at the end. of Does it. Does he? Yes. <laughs> I must have missed that. And I know this is kind of probably make half your listeners turn oh, off right now. You mean that Dungeons and Dragons yeah, reference? Exactly. I said, did yeah. you pick this song for one Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> reference? I'm actually going around work doing my thing, and I just hear "rar" like a Dungeons Dragon. I'm like, what the fuck did I just hear? <laughs> I saw it. I'm like, he didn't. He no, couldn't have. It's he- not why I picked it. No, it's it's it's. Uh, all right, we're talking about Black History. This was my history. This song. Oh, was- your Black History. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I think I broke him. Wow. Ow. No. So. So this was a this was a, a another early '90s. Yes. Right? And uh, this this was another song that helped me uh, get into. Get into. I never really got into hip hop, but this it broke the it broke the glass a little bit, you know. Oh yeah, because back in the day, I mean, you you know the way it was. I mean, you listen to heavy metal, and everybody was like, you you're not supposed to allow rap. You're not supposed to like it. 
And I did. I went to an all boys Catholic high school and the terminology they used for hip hop. Right. Was abysmal. Right, right. It was so aggressive. Yeah. And like, I didn't, I wasn't listening to it at the time, but I'm like, why the, why the hate? Like, yeah. why do we hate right. another group of people for that? Right. So I never got it. Like, so this, this was it. another, you know, little, little, little tap on the glass and, you know, I'm like, I, I like this. And then I also, this was the introduction of Busta Rhymes. Yeah. He was 19 when he did that. Was he only 19? He was 19. He's like 140 now. What happened? <laughs> Him and Coolio look like they had matching fucking brain problems. Rest in peace, Coolio. I was going to <laughs> I uh, don't care if he's dead. <laughs> Whoa! He had one hit. No, he had a few. Mm. Huh? Mm. Fantastic Voyage. Okay. Gangsta's Paradise. Wait, Fantastic Voyage, wasn't that the thing where he just resampled? Yes. Yeah, exactly. All right. It, Fantastic Voyage was its own song, and he just said, hey, I could ride that. <laughs> and that was like not even a little bit. That was just the complete Fantastic Voyage. Was that George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic? Or was it just Parliament? Oh, it was Parliament. I don't... It was one or the other. George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelic, or the Parliament Funkadelic, or Funkadelic, who knows? Or Parliament. <laughs> or Parliament. Or the Parliaments, where it started. <laughs> terrible. It's terrible naming. All right. No, that was all just done for record label purposes. Yes, purposes. I know. It's right up there with Starship, Jefferson Starship, Airplane, and, Jefferson Airplane. And then the, you also had um, uh, the Alan Parsons Project, which I think was some kind of hovercraft or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Alan Parsons. <laughs> He's not on the list. He's not on the list. But fuck him. <laughs> I don't have a good reason either. Just fuck him. Oh, um, man. I love I'm, I love how many verses there are in this. Yeah. I'm not in love with the lack of a chorus. There's so little. Like, there's like, eh. Yeah. But that's the whole point. But, but here's the thing. But it gives 19 people a shot. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because there was two groups. Yeah. It was two, um, two groups coming together. And you, you, but you have so many. You have Q-Tip in there. You have Busta Rhymes, and then you have. Why are you looking at me like that for? Because <laughs> that's no your idea. fucking face. You don't have no I have idea. No clue. Oh, I knew who Busta Rhymes was, and I the second I heard his voice, I'm like, oh, yeah. that's Busta Rhymes. Right. Now I gotta tell you that uh, as much as I love this song, uh, what should we call it? Um, what's the fuck? I forgot. Go, go on. I forgot what I was going to say. So the next step is it. to move on to the Damn next it. band. So if you cu- if it comes into your yeah, head, I'll just yell jump, it out. Jump in. Um, God damn it. So Mike's choice was September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, you skipped one. Did I skip one? Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped mine. Yeah. Well, it was terrible. You want to loop around to it then? Or? No, we'll, okay. we'll go into, into okay. Cult of Personality by Living Color. Oh, that's why you skipped it. I didn't skip it on purpose. <laughs> I actually really... I, I, I really enjoy the song. song. I know I've heard it enough. You've heard it enough. Now you're both going to yell at me. Here no, no, go. no. Um, one of the things... You know I who ruined this for me? Earl Douglas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Earl Douglas from the Black Earl Show on Sirius and... Well, it's not Black Earl Show. Well, He's him, on Bennington. There's no yeah. Black Earl Show. Yeah, the Black Earl Show. He took over. <laughs> His entrance music was called to Personality. Okay. But... As far as entrances go, CM Punk used this for years. St- uh. Up until his departure from AEW, still did. Yeah. Um, not my favorite intro music for him or intro for music. For anybody really for a wrestler, but it's still just a fantastic yeah. song. It is fantastic. And it's it's weird because the main riff is in five. Here he goes. He's counting. Seven. Seven. 
He's playing in seven. It's not in a standard four four, which mm-hmm. is weird for for popular music. Right. I think it's in seven. He's gonna he's gonna tap I'm it out. He's gonna be tapping it out for the next fifteen minutes. So it's these guys were not your typical musicians at the time. One all black band that hadn't been seen in a no, long it's in time. Four. What? It's in four. It's in four. The drummer's playing in four. No, the guitarist is not though. But it's still he's got the break in there, so it still wraps. Around. Yeah, it still lands in the four four beat. This is that argument that you have. This stuff's not all this all the UFK stuff is in four. I was playing in five, <laughs> <laughs> and we met at twenty. <laughs> That's how that works. But um, this band has amazing musicians. Mm-hmm. It was Doug Wimbish, uh, Philip Bonneau at one point. Um, um, I can't remember the guitarist's name offhand. And I'm gonna get I'm gonna get yelled at. Yeah, for this and so am I. I'm gonna yell at myself for this because I was. Oh my fucking. God. Corey Glover was singing, and still is. Yeah, yeah. The only member that's changed is the bassist. Correct. Yeah. It went from Doug Wimbish to Philip Bonneau. Mm-hmm. And oh my god, I, I'm drawing a blank on the drummer's name too. He's freaking insane. He's so fucking good. They're they're all amazing. Yeah. They're amazing musicians, and I know you're not in love with this song because you've heard it to death. Yeah. But this, this changed popular music and the MTV generation got to see this mm-hmm. and Ver- up okay, no, go ahead. up until that point you didn't see Vernon Reed Vernon Reed playing guitar um you didn't see bands all black bands yeah. playing heavy you didn't you know there are others on this list that we're going to bring up that are very important but this was the first time you saw them on TV yeah and this is the these are the guys that you know I have friends who were like I saw Vernon Reed play and I thought oh Black guys play metal. I can play metal. And this goes back to Lemmy. Lemmy had this thing where he was reading letters from fans. Yeah. And he's like, guys wrote in saying, you know, his friends make fun of him because he's black and listen to heavy metal. He goes, well, find new friends. Yeah. Because if your friends don't love you for who you are and what you listen to, you don't need them. Mm. Words to live by. Lemmy. Mm-hmm. Who thought? Yeah, of all people. But these guys really, like, they got, they had the one big hit. They had a really good, really good first album. They're, they're, con- Consecutive albums are just really, really interesting. Yeah. Uh, once they got Philip Bonneau in, Philip Bonneau, from my experience, I really got to know him from uh, Steve Vai's band. And him and TM Stevens going back and forth on bass over the over a few years were really, really interesting. And I always thought that was, that was really, really fun. Mm. And he added this whole other energy and these big effects and loops underneath all the music that they were still playing and he's playing all this other stuff behind them. Yeah. And it was amazing. Yeah. I'll have to give it a listen because I just I never got into them. It's I, it's one of those things if you don't like if you didn't know you'd you'd seek them out. Yeah. Or you didn't. One thing you might want to check out also and I actually got more into them than Living Color was another band but a little bit later on that Vernon Reed was producing and working with was a you're gonna laugh at the name, but Screaming Headless Forsos. Okay. He has brought this up to me before, yeah. and they are amazing. It's freaking, it's, it, 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 rhythmically, it's insane. It's a five-piece band, vocals, one guitar, bass, drums, percussionist. Yeah. And like, could, like they take, Living Colors going one way, they just take it, make a right, and just go even further mm. off Weirder. the deep end. But they're really good. I if If you can tolerate, like, if you, you know, get past the, the, monotony of in your head from the original cult of personality yeah listen to anything else they've done and then listen to screaming headless torsos they're so out there all right and they're they're they rock they yeah. really do 
And now we go to Earth, Wind, and Fire September. And, uh, Which is, there's nothing to say. There's No, it's, there's plenty to say. It's perfect. I love this yes. song. The, the thing to say is, who doesn't like Earth, Wind, and Fire? I got to say one thing also. Uh, we saw them live a handful of years ago. Yeah. One of the best concerts I have ever seen, period, end of story. Really? That's it. One of the best live I bands. do have a question about that. Uh-huh. Are there 3,000 members on stage? Because it feels like there's 3,000 members in this uh, band. Guitar, drum, vocal. I'd say there's maybe about 10 people up there. Really? It, it sounds back like, back it sounds yeah, like between, a full... Between the horns, they yeah. the horn sections. I, uh, this is going back like almost 10 years, so it's a little, but even then, a little fuzzy. But even like 10 three members. Vocals, three vocalists, the drums. I think they had a percussion player, keyboard, everything. It was just freaking insane. Yeah. And this is this is one of those things where... Of in the time there were bands like this, Gap Band and a few others, mm-hmm. but man, nobody, nobody did, did it. it like that. And also, this song was written as uh, an extra for a greatest hits album. This was never on an album. Really? Yeah. Very huh. interesting. I, I have these. Yeah. I have a bad habit of doing these YouTube deep dives, and I watched this like maybe about a it's month not a ago. Bad habit. No, I unless, mean, it, unless it keeps you from eating. Yeah, basically it does. <laughs> but um, I was watching something. They were talking about like the history of the song and how they went into it and this and that. And it was three songwriters. I actually had. I, um, it was Maurice White, the guitar player, and then some outside writer. I forget what what her name was. And the entire chorus was like, I'm not even going to try singing it, but the body, you just body, did. body, merciful, yeah, horribly. <laughs> but like, there's the other songwriter was like, "What the fuck are you doing? That sounds like shit. You got to take that out." It's like, "Nah, it don't matter. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a song." And after the song was released and it exploded, the song was like, "Okay, you know, you're right." <laughs> and it's it's not like it did well. It is their most famous song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been in movies, soundtracks. It's been, oh yeah. A commercials as soon I mean, as it started, you know what it is. Yeah, I I don't know about you, but being an internet creep, every September this comes up. Oh, the memes, yeah, right. No, this song come every time. Like I don't even remember the date. I just see it online. I'm like, yes, twenty first, twenty first. I always forget the number. I'm terrible with numbers. Yeah, but the twenty first is September every time, and it it's always a giggle, always a giggle Why? for me. I don't know. It just tickles a place in my heart. Thankfully, it's up here. <laughs> what? <laughs> Thank God it. We'll get to other lists where stuff tickles a little lower. You know what I'm saying? A little tickle. You know, a little tickle. <laughs> it's the second time you brought that up on this. Hey, <laughs> stuff tickles. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, there's so there's so little to critique or comment on these. Just guys, these guys are amazing. Uh, Philip Bailey, one of the singers. Yes. So Philip Bailey uh, did uh, Easy, Easy Lover, Lover with, with uh, Phil, Collins. Phil Collins. Okay. Everyone, it, I don't know about you, but most of the time that comes up as a Philip Bailey song, not yes, a Phil Collins it song. Is. Does it's it a, really? It's it, a Philip it, Bailey song. It's a Phil Bailey song. Huh. And then Phil Collins ended up releasing it on his greatest hits later yeah. on. And to me, hands down, end of, story, end of story, I will fight you on it. Easy Lover, greatest pop song ever written, done. I agree. I definitely agree because that's the song. If it comes up in the shuffle, it's getting played beginning to end. And if somebody interrupts me, I'm hitting back and starting it over. I love that song. Fucking weirdos. Oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's that, that was that. Whoa. Oh, dogs <laughs> and a plane. Jesus Christ. I thought they were going to land on us. <laughs> okay, so the next one is Big Takeover by the Bad Brains. Yeah. Now. I was actually talking about that. I saw a video of them playing at CB's. Yes. Not too long ago. And I was like, these guys are just pure punk energy. Yeah. 
this this is and 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 it's it's so powerful so oh wild so much what you think punk would be is this and i think this is where it probably came from mm-hmm. that jumping around and 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 i i can wholeheartedly root that and this is funny because i feel like the bad brains and living color are two sides of the same coin okay uh, one is a level of intensity and wild, and the other one is that same level of intensity and super controlled. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they have that tight sound. Mm-hmm. The Bad Brains are not a tight sound. They are very much a punk, wild energy. And this is, remember I told you, I don't know if we said it on the on the podcast or I told you, you know, just talking. This is the sound that I like, that raw Yes. Because you like the stuff that I listen to is way too produced uh, like, for you. I, I don't know if you've, you've heard, Mike, but... Yeah. He plays stuff that's like, and you too, I know. I, <laughs> Holy crap. It's like a fucking epic. Yeah. Like I, I, I play it, and I'm, I'm seeing like fucking dragons. And fucking, What's the longest like, song I've played for you? shit. What's huh? the longest song I've given you? I don't know. It's got to be six, seven minutes. I almost gave yeah. you guys a 20-something minute song. I knew it was there uh, somewhere. For uh, the, one of the other playlists. Uh, yeah. I, I cut down a song on one of the other playlists because of uh, how long it was. You were mad at me for the intro in Little Drummer Boy. <laughs> imagine. <laughs> imagine how mad you would be if there was a full poem at the beginning of a song uh, and then a full poem at the end. Uh, that exists. Go kill yourself. <laughs> William Shatner? No. Uh, uh, a full please. poem. He hasn't heard that yet. Take it hasn't bo- come yet. What's that? My comments on William oh, Shatner. <laughs> You'll see, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, this the bad brains. They're just pure. Like, I don't know where these guys. I, I didn't look up where they're from initially. DC. They're DC band. Yeah. So this is the DC punk sound. I yes. don't care what yeah. whatever else yeah, came this, out of DC. This is it. No. Well, this is it's this. It's minor threat. It's uh, I believe uh. Black Flag, so, well, Black Flag's a you know, Black Flag's West Coast. Yeah, there, but it's this and stuff that wanted to sound like this. Yeah, so it's this. Yeah, <laughs> these guys were just amazing. Yeah, um, and, and by the way, did you do you, do, you, uh, do you listen to the Beastie Boys? You don't listen to the Beastie Boys. I have never voluntarily or consensually listened fuck? to the Beastie Boys. There's, there's a the there's a specific have... sample that the that the Beastie Boys use from this song. And it's that first part that when the stone kicks in, they've used that. I wouldn't know. I've never. I never voluntarily listened to them. The what only the fuck is wrong with know. you? The only time I voluntarily voluntarily listened to the Beastie Boys is when I had to learn the songs to play them with the pigeons. Oh my god! Here's this is the not thing. my thing. This is what happens to me with a lot of the stuff that you guys have picked. Like once I hear a lot of samples and loops and stuff like that, like I just turn off. Because he starts picking apart where they're from. Yeah, not only that. Yeah, but that's not only that, but also when you go back further, like before the two thousands, mm-hmm. once drum machines started becoming popular and stuff like this, I'll listen to something back. I'm like, okay, that's a drum machine. Yeah. Okay, like even with um, the uh, the the uh, Belle Biv DeVoe. Yeah. I'm like that goddamn sample drum snare freaking fill loop that they keep throwing in. Yeah. On it. I was just like, if you put if you could take that and put it with like. A band, yeah, it could, doesn't have you know doesn't have to be a traditional rock band. It could be like what whatever. I would like just like it so much. Now more. I wonder, I, you know what? I haven't looked this up, but a lot of a lot of hip hop bands and whatnot, and especially recently, they play with a live band behind them. Now that started because of LL Cool J doing the Unplugged. Yeah, he did uh, an entire Unplugged with a piano player and a full band. Yeah, and they did like Mama said, knock you out and all that stuff, and was literally the drummer was literally playing the breaks, mm-hmm. and the keyboard player was playing. What would normally be scratch tracks? Yeah, I mean it was phenomenal. Yeah, 
but very weird. Mm-hmm. And that's really that was in the early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, well, when unplugs, yeah, when yeah, unplugs when unplugs was yeah. huge. Before you know, they just decided to shelve the idea. Yeah, and put you know, Jersey Shore on twenty four hours a day. Oh uh, man, there there were a couple of those that never got to air either. Is there really? were a couple unplugged. Uh, Queensryche didn't unplugged. Oh, thank God that didn't I air. love Queensryche. No, dude, that was fantastic. <laughs> no, there's the recording of I it that I say exists. these things yeah. just to piss you off. It was so off. good. Dude, just got, like you guys just said you didn't listen to Beastie Boys. You got to hear You got to hear their cover on the unplugged of Scarsboro. I think I have. I think I've heard that. It exists out there, but it was never released yeah, by yeah. MTV or re- as, as Isn't that where the recording. famous recording of Silent Lucidity came from, too? Isn't that from that? There's like an acoustic version of yes. Sound of the City. Yeah, that's, that's where it's from, yeah. but right? it never, like, it never, it never got, aired. I yeah. never even, re- I never, I didn't have cable till like 2002, so I didn't even know. Yeah, it was unfortunate that they they got shafted. Yeah, and uh, Lo Cool J honestly did really well. Yeah, that's who ended up getting aired instead yeah. of them, and they were mad about that, I guess. Yeah, but who cares? It came out. It was that changed. That's another thing that changed hip hop is the introduction of live bands to performances like right. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that I don't think that would would I don't think that would have happened any other any other way without MTV. Yeah. Um now we come to the hard stuff. What's that? Oh, your stuff. Yeah. I picked some weird shit. Go ahead. Uh the first one it, it definitely was. It's a two it's a two-parter. It's it's the original and then a, an accessible version. Mhm. Uh, the first one is Sunhouse. Uh, the second is Curtis Stigers and the Forest Rangers with uh, John the Revelator. Yeah. Now, we agreed a long time ago when we started this that we were not going to do anything religious. Right. This is a spiritual. This is a, it's, it's a slave song, and these are all based in religion. Mm-hmm. Either either based in religion or old stories. And in this case, this is about John the Baptist. Yeah, see, this this I had no idea. Never uh, heard this in my life. So the, the, this, the either Sunhouse version. Either the version. Sun version is... I believe just him clapping. Yeah. Yeah. And his voice is just so soulful. Now, what is that from? Is that from, like, that sounds like the 30s or 40s. These, initially, that is from the late 20s. Oh, wow. And this song goes back all the way back. Yeah. This was a field work song. Okay. That's where these songs came from. All these, all the things that started what I, what we consider now Dixieland jazz and the Delta blues. Right. Came from the field. Came from the fields. And this is what, this is what led to modern day blues and hard rock. Uh-huh. It's hard to it's hard to hear the original versions and catch it. No, but that's why you put the second version on because to it make actually it, to make people kind of hear where it grew into. Yeah. And this was the 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 Curtis Steiger's version uh was recorded for a um a compilation disc called From Sons of Anarchy. Mhm. Uh, it's actually featured in the end of season one. I don't know. I it's the watch, last. It's I didn't the watch last, Sons of Anarchy. Likewise, it's he neither here nor there. Um, but this song is a powerful song. Yeah, it's it's a religious song, and Curtis Sigers, who was known in the eighties as a pop crooney guy, uh-huh. went full. He has a jazz band. Like he's a a big band singer. He did this, mm-hmm. and this is so powerful, and his voice is so wild. For this, it sounds perfect for the style, even though he is the whitest of white men. But taking this style, I know, it sounds yeah. like we're about to be airdrop supplies. <laughs> There's never been this much air yeah. traffic in this neighborhood. <laughs> Are they diverting shit from JFK? I don't know. So, Curtis Steigers did this, and it was so good. And Sunhouse, the, the, there's, you can feel pain in his voice. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what these songs unfortunately became because 
they were these songs that they were used they were used to create a work motion yeah and under slavery and that's where the bet the best music comes from pain yeah uh across the board so when we think of popular music we think of the stuff that grew from something horrible and unfortunately this is the most horrible this is the most hard well the most horrible that we know about right you know we don't know where other music came from but we can see where this came from because mm-hmm. we are in the end in the end product of the changes that have started yeah but uh spirituals and slave hymns and you know the the religious stuff that was w- literally whipped upon people grew into uh gospel and um uh, Dixieland jazz and soul and uh delta blues yeah all the stuff that became hard rock and heavy metal and it it grew so fast like when you think about other musics they that nothing changed this quickly right like and then and, and then it's the are we back to back with yours on no this no i had i had to put something in between oh, right. we need a little breather because it's a little it's a little rough on the on the playlist yeah yeah it kind of it's like eh, and then another jab <laughs> yeah. as soon as you breathe yeah. in <laughs> But I felt like I love the song. It reminds me of my friend John. He loved the song. Yeah, it it has this this energy that just felt mm-hmm. so like like it's supposed to be, you know that 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 religious theme. But it has a feeling like it's pulling you. Yeah, but but this it, it, it's 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 good to play on on this episode because it's it's, it's so the history. important. For it's it. the history yeah. of where black music came from. Absolutely, and our then, music came yeah. from. And then, our music, Jesus well, Christ. Our music being heavy metal, yeah. punk, yeah, yeah. But all of that comes from, and the people who say it didn't, right, are full good. of shit, right. This came from black music. Right. Heavy metal came from black music. Right. If if it weren't for Sister Rosetta Tharp, if it wasn't for guys like this. There would be no Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. There would be no Led Zeppelin. No Hen- well, Hendrix. Hendrix. There would be none Clapton. of that. Right. So, without recognizing the 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 roots, mm-hmm. you can't recognize the tree. Right. And the tree is gigantic, mm-hmm. and it does go from R and B and hip hop all the way to I'll I'll go as far as death metal. Yeah. And that comes down the list. That comes in very important, but. In between that, you get guys from the black exploitation era, black exploitation from the seventies, late sixties, yeah. early seventies, doing film soundtracks. Every, most commonly, everyone thinks of Isaac Hayes. Yeah, but we're going to talk about somebody better. I think Curtis Mayfield did it better. Yes, uh-huh. it was so so soulful. Yes, and also the other thing with it is like I was actually torn between going with Shaft, Isaac Hayes, or. Uh, Curtis Mayfield on this. This song yeah. is uh, Pusher Man from the movie. Yes, um, yes. It's from the soundtrack Superfly. of the movie Superfly. Thank you. And But the thing is, like, the movie was your typical black exploitation movie. The guy's a pimp and he's drug running and this right. and that, whatever, whatever, whatever. But when you actually sit down and listen to the lyrics of Pusher Man and the other songs on the soundtrack, he's actually going the opposite direction of it. He's not glorifying it. Yeah. He's not glorifying the gang life, the gangster lifestyle. He's not glorifying the the drugs or anything like this. There's actually a song on it on the album "Freddy's Dead," which is one of the characters. I, I haven't seen the movie in so long. I can't remember if he was killed in a bad deal or he OD'd mm-hmm. because it's just going the opposite direction on things. It it very much brought to life uh, the energy of the movie, and it brought to light 
what the movie was actually about, not the 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 because black exploitation makes these characters seem like they're good guys. Yeah, and this the the vocals go just the opposite way. They're saying this is this is the guy who's giving you what right. you need, but he's killing you. He's slowly. killing you. Yeah, and it was so good. And Curtis Mayfield had that he had a great life up until the very end. He was a member of the vocal group, The Impressions. Mm-hmm. And in 1999, he was doing a show in Brooklyn, uh, Flatbush Avenue, uh, specifically Wingate Field. Uh, he was hit by a falling stage light. Yeah, the lighting reached Jesus. out. And he was paralyzed from the neck down. Oh, my God. All but right. It did not stop his career. He put out two more albums. Yeah. One of which he sang on. Mm-hmm. By laying, they laid him down on the floor and the pressure of, of the gravity. gravity on his lungs, he was able to belt. So he was able to still sing. Jesus Christ. He died. That happened in 1990. He passed yeah. away from ni- in 1999 from complications due to diabetes. Wow. After an amputation and right. other yeah. problems. When when your body doesn't work, it doesn't work right, right on many levels. But he, I mean, his his career was constantly moving until the incident and it only slowed him down. Yeah, yeah. This was the guy who, had he gone, he probably would have gone until the late 2000s. Uh-huh. And he would have been still making music and still performing. He was still up and dancing when when he was hit. Oh he yeah, was, uh, dancing, singing. He was a mm-hmm. consummate performer. Yeah, he was amazing. And huh. it was it. Sadly, later than we think of people getting cut short, he was cut short. Yeah. And this this entire soundtrack is it? Was it Trouble Man? Was the other one? No, Pusher Man. No, Pusher Man. No, there's another. There's another Superfly. It was it was the Superfly soundtrack. He did no, one no, other album. A, oh, another album. Oh. And I can't remember what it was, but it was another like this, but super verbose. His style was very much that seventies, the wow, which is another thing that nobody credits African Americans for the invention of the wah pedal. Wah pedal, yeah. The wah pedal was invented by a black man, uh-huh. and it changed not only heavy metal; it changed music forever. Yeah, I know keyboard players that use wah pedals. Mm-hmm. I know I know people who use them as um, a vocal attenuator. Yeah, because it's literally and it's it's the simplest design applied across the board. You know, people used to play with their their tone knob mm-hmm. on a guitar. All it is is a tone knob, and it goes from treble to bass. Yeah, yeah. Now, bass wah pedal is completely different. It's an envelope filter, and it moves to where the cue is, and it's complicated. What the fuck? Yeah, it's <laughs> lots of math. Bass was <laughs> there's a peak in the in the in the in the wave. Yeah, it literally moves the peak of the wave instead oh, okay, of moving right. the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting, but that wouldn't exist without a guy. I think they called him Chica, and he he made a wah pedal. Yeah, and it literally was just it was a board and another board on a hinge. Yeah, with a um, a set of teeth and the um, a tone knob. Yeah. And you put your guitar on one side, out to the, the amp, and as he did, and he was just, the whole time he played, he'd be waka, 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 yeah. the whole time. Waka, waka. He put out a song, I think, called Waka, Waka. Sorry. I wish it was a joke. I know. But Stop it yelling was, at me. I'm not yelling at you yet. You're looking at me like- Your no, time will come, pants. motherfucker. Oh, It boy. will come. Not on this list. Uh, No. No, you're, you're in the clear for this list. Just this list. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, it, the 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 fact that all these things got invented and pushed and designed for music mm-hmm. and not recognized. Yeah. Like we recognize the Wapedal as being a great thing. But we never knew where it came from. We I never, never knew where it came from. I, I only found out because they did a documentary on the history of the Wapedal. Yeah. Dunlop did it because they were releasing all these new 
custom pedals, one of which being the Jimi Hendrix Wah. Yeah. It has his, what they got his sound out of with new electronics. So it would last longer. Mm -hmm. But when they talk about it, they talk about the original Wah pedals. And they were just pieces of wood with a, to with a, tone, a tone knob in yeah. there. And it's amazing. When you think about the first distortion pedals, it wasn't. It was all the volumes cranked. Right, right, right. That wasn't. Wasn't Hendrix also poking holes in his speakers? To get no, that was um, Jimmy Page. Okay, razor slits. He was taking a razor blade and cutting also little slits buzz. in yeah. in the speaker. Yeah, the fuzz. Yeah. If you ever wonder how how um, the first uh, three Black Sab Black Sabbath albums are so distorted. Because they literally rolled everything up to max volume and mixed from the mixing board. Oh, okay. Yeah, great way to damage amplifiers. Right, right. <laughs> but back to the stories, back to this. Uh, Curtis Mayfield was phenomenal. Uh, this perfect song, this is this is one of those times where um, if you don't know Curtis Mayfield, look him up. Look up the Superfly soundtrack. Do look yourself up, that favor. And yeah. look up Superfly. Because it's not a bad movie. Yeah. It is part of a very specific style of cinema history, black exploitation. If you're a fan of Quentin Tarantino and fan of Grindhouse, mm -hmm. black exploitation is very specific. Uh, and you'll see, you'll see, um, oh man, I can't, uh, Pam Greer. Yes. Because Pam Greer was, was in it? no, I, but I she was, it. she wasn't in that, but she's in, she's heavily featured in black exploitation yeah. movies. And she was a Quentin Tarantino favorite for um, Jackie Brown. Yes. Jackie Brown. Yeah. So. Now we go to your last pick. Yes. And if it wasn't going to make the room awkward, I'd kiss you on the forehead. <laughs> you pick, and I did there not was, know. Yes. I did not know that there was a punk band named Death. Before there was before, Death. Before there was Death. I grew up listening to Death. And by grew up, I mean it was in my late teens, early 20s. Which they considered the first death metal band. Which they weren't. That's what I they mean. I never, I never thought of it that way. They were really thrash, but their name Death stuck, right. and that style grew from there. Right. These guys were not that. No. These guys are, and this I hate. Uh, the song "Keep on Knocking" by Death is considered proto -punk, proto punk. Right. Which I didn't. This is insulting for a reason. When we think of punk, we think of, um, I I'm going to go with the standards: Iggy and the Stooges, and right. and uh, the Ramones, all the white guys. Yeah. The guys who built up punk, they don't want to call them punk. Mm -hmm. They call them proto-punk, the guys who are the prototype for it. Right. They don't want to give them the official title. These were Detroit guys. Um, they're a family band. Dude, I... I could not believe that. I you never I've, hear a family I, I haven't listened to them often, but I knew they were around. I picked this band. It actually taught me some stuff as well because I knew they were around. I never heard them. I've heard a couple of songs... But this one came up when I was looking them up because I always heard that there was a death, a, a band named Death that was a black band before the the band we know. Yes. Right? And I looked it up and this song was like I think the first or second one on the – and I fucking love it, man. Can I just throw a timeout? Yeah. Talk about the other Death for a second. Go the ahead. thrash band. Uh, the best uh, rhythm section in heavy metal. Okay. Uh, Richard Christie, Steve DiGiorgio. One of the best – Rhythm sections. Yeah. These guys were amazing. Absolutely phenomenal. Steve DiGiorgio is another one of those feeble finger reaching uh, <laughs> bass players. Okay. A fretless player plays so fast. Now back to this death. Um, family band, uh, Bobby, David, and Dennis. Dennis, not Dennis. Mm -hmm. Hackney. Detroit guys. 
they have the Detroit rock sound. It definitely has. I well, I, I, I loved it. Say, I, to me, like they weren't punk. For what? I, like it's a bad choice for the. Um, it sounds. If you more, look at it, it says. What I it also says garage rock. I think it's closer to. I hate that yeah, term. I know, I, you know but it, I, but it, but it's closer to that 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 sound than than I feel the punk. Yeah. I, I don't feel that way. I feel like this was how it started. Like, listening to Sister Rosetta Tharp, you can hear Credence. You can hear yeah. these other bands in that. You can hear... You can, I, I, I definitely hear Bad Religion in this. I, I hear... I hear uh, Black what, Flag. No, I hear... Uh, what the hell is that? Wow, Clutch. I hear Clutch in I don't this know enough about lot. Clutch, and we have to work on yes. that. Yes. You're gonna think I'm crazy on this one, but I actually hear Thin Lizzy. In this. Okay, yes, I got but that. Yeah, Thin Lizzy taken from them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you can hear. But that's where it. But that's why we're talking about it. it, it this is where it started. Yeah. And you know, and Thin Lizzy was not a. That, that's that's why to me I'm like I maybe just the way he's singing on it. Yeah, I'm hearing some Phil Lynott in it. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm like, this is freaking fantastic. Yeah, but like I said, to me, it's not so like like. I hate garage rock. Also, I know. I, I I I know. I feel dirty saying it, it that. It feels but. like it delegitimizes what they did. What they did. Yeah. And these guys are way more legit than most. But I mean, I know what the sound their, they mean. Yeah. I know, what, and that's that's what I hear here. You know. I mean, I do hear the punk part of it. Mm-hmm. I do, but I hear more of a rock band than a punk rock band. I and I think that's where punk rock because these guys are these guys are often recognized. As the first punk rock band, yes, and that's where it's punk rock, not just punk. Yeah, like when we talk about uh, ska, ska is punk and reggae and other things mixed together. Right. And then when you listen to like thrash metal, is is um, punk and and heavy metal mel- melded together. It's all these things combined. This was the combination of rock and roll and the beginning of punk rock. Yeah, and that's and this is the. When we talk about the glass ceiling, these were the guys who hit the ceiling. Yeah, and then the next guys after them were straight through it. Which is what suck because it sucks because they never made it past this. Yeah, mm-hmm. which the, is what amazes me only... is when I was looking and I found this and I was like, "This is so good, it's so good." And 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 it never got past this. It 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 feels like it was it was over before it started. Yeah, but it was honestly a lot of the times things that are so good. Get kneecapped because they're so good. Right. And so Nobody realizes it. They don't realize until yeah. way later. And yeah. If if I had a goal, this would be to to elevate this song. Yeah. On honestly, I would elevate more than I'm going to knock the next one. Yeah. What's the next one? <laughs> well, we're going to praise one person, knock another. All right. Go ahead. All right. So, with this, we have Lead Belly. Okay. And Ram Jam. Yes. With Black Betty. Yes. Now. Everybody's heard Ram Jam's version of Black Betty. Yes, everybody. My son knows this song. I I I heard nothing of it in the first song. I mean, I know where it came from, but they changed it so much. They just took the chorus. Yeah, pretty much. That's it. But Lead Belly, but the, the their whole song is that chorus. Right. That's all they did is steal a chorus and and just jam around. It. Jam around it. Yeah. That's all it really was. It's a bunch of white hippie stoners goofing <laughs> off. But Lead Belly, another guy, Lead Belly has a string of songs like this. Yeah. Um, some with a little bit of guitar, some with nothing in the background. Some clapping, some with a, another two voices in the back doing like 
just humming. Yeah. All of it is pure. And this is where the term soul comes from. It was Lead Belly. Yeah. It was the soul in his voice, the power. And Ram Jam just makes it easily accessible to the masses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no one would know where it came from. No. And that's the thing. When we talk about covers, yeah. if, you, if you do a good cover, you think it's a, an original. And in this case, everyone thought uh, Black Betty was an original. Oh, okay. All right. The same way we, we were joking about Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah. Cotton Eye Joe is a shit song, <laughs> but that is a real song from way back. <laughs> and it's terrible. It was terrible then. It's terrible now. Ram Jam tried to make something out of this song, and it's... It's stuck. It sticks in your head. It's enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's enjoyable. Listen, it exists. It's, yeah, but it, you're sitting in a bar and that comes on. Guess what? You're singing it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because there's eight words and you can sing them yeah. if you're blackout drunk. And, and I was, wow, you beat me too. I'm about to say, and you're drunk. <laughs> blackout drunk. <laughs> and there's not much to. to nah, there's to not much. Well, one thing that you had on it because the uh, list, the uh, link that you had sent said it was like uh, I forget. I think it was like uh, songs that inspired Led Zeppelin. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I remember Zeppelin getting sued. I think on the first or the f- first two albums for ripping a bunch yes. of stuff you wanna, off. Yes. You want to try that again? First two? Well, I'm three, them? four, five. The first four? First four. Okay. But so then I did a little bit of a deep Everyone dive. from Spirit to Lead Belly's, uh, fa- uh, I don't know if it was his family or his estate. Mm-hmm. Everyone went after him. Yeah. Uh, went after Led Zeppelin because they were so. Some of them were direct ripoffs. Right. And the. But the. And then I saw just, and then, you know, as I was doing the little bit of research on it, I was like, oh, okay. And then I saw lists of covers and everything of Lead Belly, and there were two songs on it that I, when I first heard them, I was like eight years old, so I had no idea what a cover even was at that point, but they're both Creedence songs. Again, ri- yep. flipping back to the beginning with, with Sister Rosetta Tharp, that it was uh, the Midnight Special and, um, oh my God. I'm That's not a, a song. On, no, I know. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank on this song, but they're both off of Willie and the Poor, uh, and the poor Boys mm-hmm. from Creedence. And fantastic fantastic stuff again going back to where rock and roll that we what we call now rock and roll it all comes back to this yeah and it's it's important to remember and to recognize that this stuff not only that it happened but that it's the foundation of what we have you know we always take it forget you know everyone talks about elvis being the king of rock and roll but without without was at a Tharp and Lead Belly and all these other guys, he wouldn't exist. Right, exactly. but a lot of his stuff was covers anyway, wasn't it? Yeah, or, in the or, beginning. And, yeah. But even the stuff that wasn't. Um, Bill Burr jokes around about um, watching a documentary uh, of Elvis and his wife sitting next to him getting mad by the, madder by the second. Well, his wife's black. Yeah, his wife is black. And she's like, she's sitting there and she goes, do you hear what he's saying? He's like, what? <laughs> and he goes... I, what and this this country guy's like what we did was took the down and dirty blues and added to the beautiful serene vocals of bluegrass right oh and he's God. taking all the music all the all the the root stuff all the real uh soulful music and shitting on it and putting together the white the white hillbilly made bluegrass right. and raising it up and couldn't be more further from the truth uh if you look at like I always joke about how fucked up country is like if you look at country music, there is, I mean, murder and death and every crime you can imagine. And then if you want to look at, you know, the history books, 
uh, some of the worst crimes in music have been carried out by uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> uh, just second to Jerry Lee Lewis is Chuck Berry, but that's a different story. Uh, Chuck Berry likes to uh, watch people go to the bathroom without their permission. That's a different problem. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis married his 13-year-old cousin. His cousin, yeah. 13-year-old cousin. Don't forget the 13. Yeah. Elvis married a teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't hear a lot of those problems with other musicians. Well, Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler. Adopt, uh, no, this, the parents signed off a 15-year-old to him. Same thing with Ted Nugent. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember uh, Can't remember her name. She's beautiful. Le- Leilani? I don't know. Either way, he basically bought himself a teenager. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, you don't hear about that with other musicians. Yeah. And these are, the, these are the guys who claim that they invented heavy metal and rock and roll. No, it's the guys who were working... For a living and doing blues bands and jazz bands at night. Yeah. Um, Billy Crystal has a, a he has a stage show called Seven Hundred Sundays. It's incredibly, incredibly weird because uh-huh. he's talking about the Seven Hundred Sundays he had with his father when he died when uh, his father died when he was like thirteen. He said, "I only got Seven Hundred Sundays wow. with him, and That's... the reason he only counts the Sundays yeah. is because it's the only day of the week he was guaranteed to see his dad because his dad was a no, his dad was a." Je- Billy Crystal's Jewish. He's gonna see know. him at church. His dad, his dad was a jazz. <laughs> That's what I think of when I think of something. His dad was a jazz booker Why? and ran a record label. Okay, all right. And he did everything for the bands. So he said every once in a while, all the bands would come over. Yeah. These guys would come over and they'd be playing stuff in the living room. He goes, it'd be you know Jews and jazz, bourbon and brisket. It'd be a great time, and. <laughs> He and Billy Crystal has moments of being completely off and weird. Yeah. But in that I love that he recognizes that if it wasn't for those black musicians, every other piece of music yeah. would be worthless. Oy. So we've covered the two hardest things, Lead Belly and Sunhouse. Mm-hmm. And now we're gonna talk about the most I think this is the most recent the most, in the yeah, group. Yeah, it is the most recent. That's uh, um, it's actually uh, Silk Sonic, uh, Fly As Me. Which is Anderson Pack and Bruno, Bruno Mars. Mars. And the reason yeah, this, I... Sh- this is you? Yeah. Shocked me. The All reason, right, go ahead. The reason I picked this song off the album, and I gotta say, this album, like, I heard Bruno... I, Anderson Pack, I had never heard of before. Right. Bruno, it showed up one day on YouTube for me. And yeah. And Bruno Mars, I knew who he was. Heard some stuff here and there, and I'm like, ah, okay, whatever. Again, the, the little I heard sounded like it was written on a computer. And yeah. This is something that's always going to come up with me when it sounds like somebody's sitting there programming it. My mind just turns off. And so I'm like, ah, okay, if you guys got a good voice, not my thing. When I heard this, I heard, the first song I heard, I think was uh, "Smoking Out the Window," uh-huh. and I was like, holy shit! Yeah, this is just like old school, like the freaking Manhattans, um, the Delphonics, like all the old doo-wop stuff. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? And the only reason I picked this song is it's the most modern sounding. Album yeah, yeah. Out of it does everything. sound. Modern. It doesn't matter though. It sounds no, modern, know, but, but still has just, that classic feel. But it still has a classic feel, and it's this is two guys, and they played every goddamn instrument yes. on the album. Yeah. Nobody sitting there programming loops and this and that. It's just playing mm-hmm. their freaking hearts out, and that's it. And if they ever come around, this is one thing we got to go see. All right, I'll do it. I have no problem with that. This. This song feels a little douchey to me. Yeah. Just no, a little oh, bit. it is big time. Why does it feel douchey? I don't know. but It, I, it, it is. It's... Unfortunately, TikTok has ruined oh, these yeah. two for me. For the <laughs> this bitch. I, I, I think about it randomly. I'm like, this bitch. <laughs> In my head. Oh. 
In my head. It's in my head it all the time. I, no, I do, it out, I do it out loud, too. I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's really fun. I, the fact that they do everything themselves, uh-huh. it very much reminds me of Prince, another guy who gets very little credit for the effect he had on the universe. You know, as much as Bruno like, Mars is is Bruno very Mars talented is in himself, yeah. right in that vein. Yeah, um, we joke about Michael Jackson, but Michael Jackson's another guy who smashed glass ceilings. Yeah, and the Jackson Five smashed glass ceilings, and Joe Jackson smashed his kids. <laughs> <laughs> he beat the shit out of them. Wow, kids. he literally beat the black off of one of them. Uh. It was terrible, but the Jack. <laughs> I got I got two people almost folded over on that one. I don't know how we go further. What else is there to say? Joe Jackson beat his kids. The only one that came out all right is Janet, and only kinda. Yeah. There is a, one guy it's so bad he named all his kids Jermaine. It's like George Foreman got knocked around by Ali. Started calling all his kids George. It's George, George, Georgette, Georgina. I wish that was a joke. And I know, Jermaine, I know. I joke about Jermaine Jackson. He didn't name both of his kids Jermaine. He named his youngest, uh, his oldest son Jermaine. His youngest is Your Majesty. Shut up. I swear that is this chi- the child. He's a grown man. Yeah. His son's name is Your Majesty Jackson, Ugh. which, by the way, is alliteration on a level that I hate because uh-huh. the double J's and then... It's hard to pronounce. What? Wait, is that your, is that your tism? Is that what's, is that what you're talking about? Double J's. You can't have two, no, two it's, letters. Well, when you have like, okay, so when I when I was my mom was pregnant with me, yeah, she wanted to name me Seamus until she tried to say my full name. Seamus try to say Sanchez. Yeah, try to say it fast. Seamus Sanchez. I it's say very it. difficult. No, it's not. not well, me. maybe if you have a full formed fucking face, I don't know. <laughs> Seamus Sanchez sounds like everyone's going to go, Seamus Sanchez. Not going to have that happen. Seamus. Seamus. Why? Because she's Irish as shit. Oh, all right. I don't know. Oh. Well, she didn't want to name, she she initially didn't want to name me after my grandfather. Okay. Um, So she thought Seamus would be a good Irish name. What was your grandfather's name? Do you really want to know? Please. David. Oh. <laughs> So my mom... Wait, your Irish grandfather is named David? He was German. Oh, okay. So, my father wanted to name me Cuchillo. <laughs> what the... F- now, wait, I want to time out. Michael? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, what does Cuchillo wow. mean in Spanish? Oh, okay, wait, hang on. Knife? <laughs> How is that not the most accurate name for me <laughs> ever? Now, you can ask my father, what did you want to name Dave? Uh-huh. And he'll say cuchillo, uh-huh. and he's he's told me a bunch of times. He goes, I didn't even realize it was going to be the most accurate thing I ever said. But why? I don't know. He liked the name. He, I. That's not a name. It's a noun. Okay, my dad was in a Puerto Rican street gang. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna. I, if you look at my dad's hand, he has a, a tattoo. A, yeah, yeah. He has a gang tattoo. Yeah. When he was young, yeah, he was in a gang. I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to talk about my dad like this, but he was in a fucking street gang. Yeah. They all have the same tattoo. Uh-huh. And the list of guys in this group. Had nicknames. Mm. And I don't know who was Cuchillo, but he liked that name. Yeah. I'm thankful that he picked that one and not his other friend, who they call Mahon Compello. Whoa, what the fuck does Michael, that Michael, do you want to tell him what Mahon Compello or should I? Okay. Go for it. Mahon Compello. Okay. So then they weren't all Puerto Rican. <laughs> Fat bastard? What does no. it mean? 
Okay, so this group of guys, not all of them were Puerto Rican. One of them was Indian. Okay. Mahonko Pelo means a ball of shit with hair on it. <laughs> so, also Still racist. accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to text my wife you said that. Oh, my God. It's going to be bad. <laughs> so, <sighs> Mahonko Pelo. Cuchillo. I'll take Cuchillo every time. And how did we get on this? I don't know. I don't know, but I think we have to end it. No, we don't. We're not I'm not done. Why? Because in this group, there was also my, my oh, uncle God. Junior. Okay. The first person I knew in my life uh-huh. with one leg. Okay. I told you I knew multiple people in Egg life. Leg or like he had a he had a prosthetic leg, but okay. he lost his leg from the hip down. Yeah. Also funny story. He woke up one morning, said my leg hurts. And my grandmother, you know, they, they all lived together. My grandmother and my great aunts would get, one of them would get the kids ready for school. Right. And he said, I don't feel well. And my grandmother beat the shit out of him because he didn't want to go to school and sent him to school. And the next day he said, oh, my leg hurts. I don't want to go to school. And she beat the shit out of him and sent him to school. <laughs> and the third day he got up and went to school. And, and his they, leg fell off? No. They called 911 from the school because his leg was purple. Gangrenous? No. Or whatever the hell you say. He he had a fever. He ends up he had a tumor in his upper leg. Oh, oh my god. god! They had to remove the leg at the hip, which is one of the worst amputations you can have. Right? It's the most painful. Oh. It's the hardest to wear a prosthetic. You have to wear it looks like a big plastic piece of underwear. Okay, that holds the leg on. Right, right, right. So up until a few years ago, that leg was in our basement because he never used it. He used two canes, so it was just hanging out in our basement. I don't know why he didn't live with us. They needed somewhere to keep it. I, yeah. I, <laughs> so Black History Month ends with a peg leg hanging out in the basement. A fully formed leg that did not bend in my basement. Has nothing to do with this. Happy Black History Month, everyone. We love you. We we have a website. <laughs> it's it's hitthestagepodcast.com. Yes. I don't even know how to end this fucking thing. Good. All right. Go ahead. Uh, hitthestagepodcast.com. Uh, Instagram, I am basher.exe. I'm a nugs29. And uh, Michael doesn't have social media. Yeah, he. Uh... Good luck, motherfuckers. <laughs> Good luck finding him. It's terrible. I want to send him shit all day, and I got nothing. And I have to try to send him. He's like, I can't see it. I can't log in. And I want to. I, why don't you just have a ghost account? I don't want to bother with it. All right. All right. Whatever. All right. I guess I'll keep sending you screenshots of bullshit. Yeah, that works. All right. Until next time. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. I love you guys. Love you. Love you guys. Hail Halford. Hail Halford. Hail Halford.